Amen. There is a word from the Lord this morning as we remain standing, as we enter into this fifth message of this 12-message series that is entitled a Right Now Word, which we are looking at 12 of the parables of Jesus that are recorded in the gospel of the 38 plus parables we have lifted up 12 of them in these next weeks or so so that we can have a better clearer understanding of God's word we said to you at the beginning of this series that this is a teaching series if you love God's word then this series is for you in fact at the beginning of the year, we declared this year to be a year of supernatural revelation in which we said this is a year for those who love God's word. Love God's word. If you're looking for the preacher to hoop and holler and to mourn and, and have you have spiritual gymnastics, then this may not be your year. Or this may not be your church in this year. Amen. But if you like the word of God, and this is your year, not because of who the preacher is, but because of what the word will do. Let the word do the work. Tell somebody, let the word, amen, do the work. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to verse 27, and we are reading from the New Living Translation. Earlier we read from the NIV translation, but uh, to get a clearer understanding of the text, we've chosen the New Living Translation. Hear the reading of God's word. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself right Jesus told him do this and you will live the man wanted to be justified in his own actions said and who is my neighbor Jesus replied with this story with this parable a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead. Somebody say half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and pass by him. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, 
he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I am here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And the church that loves God's word said, amen. amen. Catch somebody by the hand quickly. Hold those hands. Here's the subject for this fifth message of this series. Here is subject for this week's message. Hold those hands. Squeeze those hands and say, a good neighbor. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A good neighbor. I didn't say a nosy neighbor. Amen. But a good, a good neighbor. A good neighbor. It has been said that we are living during a time in which, quote, good neighbors are very hard to find, unquote. Good neighbors are very hard to find. Somebody shaking your head right now. Say amen, Pastor. Man, even good neighbors who sit by you at church sometimes. Oh, I, I leave that alone. I would also add good neighbors from a biblical perspective or even harder to find. This society that we live in today seem to have become more and more selfish. We have seemed to have become more and more self-centered. And God knows we have seemed to have become more and more insensitive to the needs of others as we've ever been before. Amen. There appears to be an increasing number of people who live in this modern age who somehow subscribe to the famous quote from the iconic American poet by the name of Robert Frost, who writes these words in the poem, Mending Fences. Robert Frost says, and I quote, good fences make good neighbors. And he believed that. Good fences make good neighbors thought about this and I, I did a little research and ran across an interesting study done by a religious institution who wanted to test this theory. I think it was Princeton Theological Seminary many years ago wanted to test the theory of who would be a good neighbor and who would not be a good neighbor. And it was funny, it all depends on who you ask what constituted a good neighbor. Some of you can identify with this. The older you were, the more you said somebody who helps you, and somebody who looks out for you, someone who checks up on you uh, when something goes wrong. 
as you began to get younger in the survey, <laughs> the answers changed to something like this. Somebody who stays in their own lane. Somebody who stays out of your business. <laughs> Somebody who minds their own business. What an amazing different perspective from different generations. Older people saw good neighbors as helping others, looking out. Younger people saw good neighbors as just mind your own business. You don't bother me. I don't bother you. Some of you ought to say amen. Amen. However, it has always been God's desire that we come from behind our fences and that we tear down our walls, even those psychological, social walls. And we attempt to reach out and to help those that are in need, those that need something from us, regardless of who they are, what may be the reason for their situations. I said to the church earlier this morning, we, we live in a time where people do more analyzing than helping. Am I right about it? Somebody comes with a need, and, and we take more time analyzing their problem than we do helping. Well, how do they get in that situation? What, what, what went wrong with them? What, what, was it bad parenting? Was it they were disobedient? We, 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 just, we are really good in analyzing other people. Can I say that? Now, when it comes to us, we want all the red tape cut. We just want folk to help us right. People or self, I, I, I just happen to be a student of human behavior. And I sometimes just walk around, even people I work with, and I notice, I don't say anything, I just notice people, how they act and how different you act when somebody is close to you. And how judgmental we are when it's somebody else. And I remember... Dad said to me a long time ago, he said, Mom, he says, um, there was a time when people in the church, young ladies got pregnant. Some people would come up and say, Pastor, you need to preach harder. You need to come down on them. Let them know that, that they ought to be better than that. They ought to keep them skirts down they ought to, until their daughter got pregnant. And when their grandchildren got pregnant, Pastor, we need a ministry. You didn't want to minister when it was somebody else's child. We, we are selfish. The, the church helped too many people, unless it's your people. And we ought to help as much as we can. And that's why I tell people, people who judge ought to just keep their mouth shut. Because you'll never know when you'll need the same thing that you're criticizing other folk for it. Amen. And I know people say all the time, you know, pastor, maybe you're too light and you need to come down harder on people. And, and see, I, I, I know that all of us are just one mess up away. None of our righteousness any good. They're all like filthy rags. And so every time I, I just feel like coming out and chopping a head off, I remember how I used to be. 
Yeah, I grew up in the church, and there were a whole lot of people chopped my head off. And I just said to the Lord, you know what? I want to treat others as I want them to treat me. Somebody shout, good neighbors. We are expected to be examples to the world of God's grace, God's mercy. For the Bible says, let your light so shine on earth before men, listen to what it says, that they may see your good works and not glorify you, but glorify your Father who's in heaven. People ought to see you and salute the kingdom. Folk ought to see what you do and say, wow, I want to be just like that. I, I, I want to be saved because being saved means you're kind-hearted and you show mercy and you, and, and, and you give people second chances. Being saved doesn't mean that you chopping off and always pointing and judging people. Look, we've got enough people to tell you where you're going to end up. I want to tell you how you can avoid ending up there. Look at somebody and say, good neighbor. Good neighbor is not just speaking words, but good, a good neighbor is when we do what we say we believe. It is showing it. Someone said, and I quote, I would rather see a sermon any day than to hear one. We've got a whole lot of people who can preach sermons, whether they're preachers or not, but they can't live a sermon. It's a lot easier to talk the talk, preach pastor, than it is to walk the walk. When it's all said and done and, 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 and the eulogy is written about whatever my career has been, I don't need anybody to quote any sermons I preach. I would rather somebody say, here is the person he's helped. When it's all said and done about you, will people say you've made a difference in somebody's life? Talk is cheap. Rhetoric is inexpensive. But when you walk the walk and you let your light shine, and when somebody say you loved me unconditionally, then you're representing the kingdom of God. Here's what God says. God says to us that I, I'm going to hold you, the church, responsible. You, the believers, you are my eyes and my ears. You are my hands and my feet. He says, for, for and one parable, we're going to deal with this in about the eighth, ninth, or tenth parable. As much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. God's going to judge us. Not by how long we shout, not by how large our congregation is, but by what you do to represent the kingdom of God on this earth. Please touch somebody and say, be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor. Let us, if you will, for the next few moments, turn to our text. I told you I wanted to teach during this series. And in our text, let us examine what Jesus says about being a good neighbor. In this text, as you heard read to you, Jesus responds to a question by a person who was a legal scholar of the word, someone who knew the word backwards and forward. He was a 
lawyer of that day, which, which represented what the word said. So this person goes up to Jesus and asks him a question that he already knew the answer. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Perhaps he was trying to entrap Jesus, and Jesus said to him, what does the law say? And he says, well, the law says, love the Lord with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy spirit, uh, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus says, then that is what you ought to do, and if you do that, you will live. And so the scholar then turns to Jesus, thinking, I'm going to really entrap you now. Because you're going to have to define what no one else has ever defined. What is a neighbor? Who constitutes a neighbor? And what am I to do? And Jesus, in his own unique way, he begins to share a parable, which is explaining a spiritual truth through an earthly application. He, he shares a parable and says, let me tell you this story. And in the parable, he speaks of a man who found himself in trouble. The New Living Translation says a Jewish man. It is important that you understand that. That's why I read that translation. This was a Jewish man who found himself in trouble in a unique place. He found himself on the notoriously dangerous road somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. Let me help you understand this and put it in some context. There was a 17 plus mile road that was somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. And there was a part of that road that was so dangerous. Jerusalem represented the holy city. Jerusalem represented a place where you went to worship place where you went to serve God. It was where the temple was, where the synagogues were. It was where the religious scholars were. It is where you go and have the feast of the Passover. It is where we celebrated the feast of Pentecost. Jerusalem is where celebration and religious order came together. But somebody say Jericho. Jericho. Jericho was the complete opposite of Jerusalem on the complete opposite side of the road. One end was Jericho, the other end was Jerusalem. Now, if Jerusalem was a place of worship, then Jericho was a carnal place of carnal desire and indulgence. You know Jericho. We're introduced to the city through the text in Joshua. When Joshua was sent to conquer the promised land, there was a city that was walled up called Jericho. Somebody help me say Jericho. And the most famous person in Old Testament literature that lived in Jericho's name was Rahab. And Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a prostitute. So Jericho is known for Rahab. Jerusalem is known for worship. Jericho is known for fleshly indulgence. Jerusalem is known for expressive worship. There could be no more opposite sides of the spectrum than Jerusalem and Jericho. But I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, where the ministry is, is somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. 
Because that's where a whole lot of folk get in trouble. Somewhere between where they want to be in a faith walk with the Lord and somewhere where their flesh is dragging them to be. Can I preach to somebody? Somewhere between my worship is for real and my flesh is a mess. Preach, Pastor Jackson. Now, y'all just be real. I know it's hot in here. Everybody's fanning. I'm hot too. But look at somebody and say, we all have been there. Somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. But thanks be to God. He didn't leave us there. Can I get some worshipers? How many of you know that he sent some help? When you were in between trying to decide what you wanted to be, you, you, you knew from the depths of your heart that you ought to worship God, but your flesh said, I can't turn you loose yet. Your flesh said, you are too young to be acting that holy. You still got to live out a few more years, but somewhere between where your spirit says go and where your flesh drags you to go, that's where you get in trouble. May I preach somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. Here's what the text says. There was a Jewish man. And I've always perhaps looked at this text from the wrong angle. And, and even being a seminarian, I've looked at it from the wrong angle and assumed that the man was leaving Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. But Brother Deacons, what the text really says is this, that he was leaving Jerusalem on his way back home to Jericho. So here's what the Lord dropped in my spirit late the other night. God said, the question, Daryl, to ask uh, those at Bible Way on the first Sunday in July in the year 2016 is, what do you do after church? Can I preach? I know what you do when you're at Jerusalem. I know what you do doing church. But the real question is, how do you behave somewhere between the church you've been to and the place you are going to? What do you do then? Is your church attitude on display when there are no church folk? around and so now I see the homiletical significance of this man going from Jerusalem back to Jericho because in all likelihood Elder Tony G this man had just got finished worshiping with the same folk that are about to pass him by on the side, can I preach, should I preach, may I please preach. So here's the text. A Jewish traveler on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho runs into trouble. The New Living Translation say he runs into bandits. The NIV says he runs into thieves. And they ambush him, strip him, wound him, and leave him on the side of the road half dead. 
Let me say that again. Look at somebody say ambush, stripped, wounded, left half dead. Sounds like your testimony, doesn't it? Come on, let's say it again so the devil can hear you because some of us have been there. Ambush, stripped, wounded, left on the roadside, half dead. The enemy say, watch you die on that road. I've stripped you of your dignity. I wounded you in the house of a friend. I ambushed you because when the enemy came in like a flood, anybody's ever been on that road? Ooh. And so Jesus then turns to this young erudite scholar say to him let me tell you the response of three individuals who saw the same thing but acted differently he says on this road now lays this Jewish worshiper who had been ambushed stripped wounded and left half dead the first person to show up, may I preach? First person to show up was the priest. The priest. Somebody say the priest. Oh, in other words, can we put it in a way we can understand? Say the preacher. Say everybody with a license. <laughs> Collar wearing. Cross toting. Bible quoting. Priest. Preachers, pastors. In this case, this was the senior priest. This was the man who was in charge of the temple, the most important and significant institution in first century Jewish culture. He was a very important and a busy person with a whole lot of responsibilities. And in all likelihood, because I shared with you the direction of the travel, I'm going somewhere. In all likelihood, he wasn't going to church, but he was returning from church. And so perhaps that explains his tired attitude. Because he had been in church all day, preached 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock, did a 3 o'clock service, had a baby Christian at 2.30, and so he was tired and his toes were hurting and his feet were hurting and his voice was rasping, his head was hurting and he had enough church folk to last him a whole week. I ain't talking about nobody y'all know. I'm just talking about a priest who was on his way home from worship. And so the Bible says he saw this man Here's what the Living Translation says. He, it would be a different thing if you didn't see it. But, 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 but God in his infinite wisdom placed the man in a strategic location where you couldn't say I didn't see it because he was lying right there on the side of the road. Touch somebody and say you had to see it. Don't lie to the Holy Ghost. You saw it. He saw this man, but because he had preached three times, because he had a baby Christian, 
because he served communion, because he went by and saw mother so-and-so in the hospital, Lord got to understand. I'm tired. I got to get home, take my shoes off, and watch Sports Center. Somebody else will take care of it. Bible say he didn't even stop. He just kept walking. All that anointing. <laughs> and didn't even stop. Oh, y'all ain't gonna like me after this series. But look at somebody and say, with all your anointing, you ought to at least stop. Did not even stop, mothers. Didn't even stop, but just kept going and passed by on the other side. He simply ignored him. He acted as if the man wasn't even there. Did not even acknowledge the existence of the condition of the man. With all your anointing, it means nothing if you're not willing to put it in practice. And then, here comes the second one. The New Living Translation calls him a temple assistant. The NIV calls him a Levite. The Levite was a servant of the temple, an employee. of the temple. Somebody who deals with stuff like this all day during my work hours. I ain't got time for this after work. I'm an employee of the temple. In fact, I'm in charge of temple worship. I, I've got important responsibilities. Don't you know I'm too just leaving church and I've had to sing two to three services. My feet hurt. My voice hurt. My head hurt. I've been in church since eight o'clock and here it is six o'clock. I got to go home because I got to get up and go back to the temple and work tomorrow. My job is to work. No, your job is to get a check. There's a difference between your vocation and your advocation. Because your advocation you'll do for nothing just because you believe it's the right thing to do. Your vocation you do because you got to sign your name on the back of a piece of paper every other week. Preach, Pastor. We need more people whose vocation is their advocation. So this Levite going down the same road. This Levite, as the priest, he sees this man who was strategically placed in this place by the Lord so that nobody can miss him. But he, at least unlike the priest, the temple assistant, the worship leader, the Levite, at least he stopped. And at least he looked at the man. And perhaps he uttered an in tongues prayer. He come out, she, he come out, shot. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I rebuke whoever did that. Well, that don't mean nothing if you ain't willing to get your hands dirty and help somebody to get up. Keep your he come out, she's, and give me a helping hand. Keep your 
can I preach? We got too many deep folk who stop and look. But they don't follow you to the prisons, Elder Franklin. They don't go with you, Elder Benjamin, when you go. They don't go with the brothers when the three people at the Providence home that need something. We got thousands, and I'm preaching on, I'm getting on everybody's nerve today. We've got thousands and thousands of brothers in this church, but the question is, when was the last time you went to the Providence home? When was the last time you fed the homeless? When was the last time you did anything but church? Touch somebody and say it's not enough just to come to church. I've got a news alert for you. God ain't impressed with your title. But he is the Lord of Lord, God of all the earth. He's seen every title you can have. He ain't impressed with your title. So the Levite stopped, look at him, and he looked on this man. But he too did nothing. He stopped, looked, shook his head in disgust, and said, what a crazy world we live in. He could have even offered a private prayer. But at the end of the day, the man was still on the side of the road, ambushed, stripped, wounded, left half dead, with two religious leaders that perhaps just worshiped with him, who did nothing. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But thank God for the Samaritan. Thank God for the Samaritan. Look at what the New Living Translation says. It says the despised Samaritan, who in all likelihood was despised and detested by the priest and the Levite, and for that matter, perhaps by the same man who was lying on the side of the road because he was a Jew. But the despised Samaritan, the mixed breed, the half breed, the despised Samaritan, the one that Jesus talks to at the well of Samaria. St. John chapter 4, when the woman from Samaria said to him in verse 9, you are a Jew, you have no dealings with us at Samaria. Uh, the woman says to him in verse 19, you worship in Jerusalem at your temple, but we worship here in Samaria. In other words, you won't even let us worship with you. you we're not even good enough to go to your church. We're not even good enough to worship with you, but thank God for the outcast that nobody thought enough of. Thank God because he, although he did not possess a title, had something the other two did not have. Take note in how the other two were addressed. They were addressed by their title. They were called a priest and a Levite. This man, Dr. Sherl, was called a Samaritan. He was addressed by his heritage, not by his title, because he didn't possess a religious title. But you don't need to be anointed with a title in order to be used by God. Go preach your sermon by how you treat people that are in need.
You go do what God has called you to do. And I don't care what in, nobody may not ever lay hands on you, but God has laid his hands on you. And you are anointed to represent the kingdom. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible says this man in the New Living Translation felt compassion for this Jewish victim lying on the side of the road, ambushed, stripped, wounded, and left half dead. This despised Samaritan who became the good Samaritan, he had something that the religious leaders didn't have. We need more people with less religion and more compassion. We've got a whole lot of folk with a whole lot of religion, but religion as of itself does not always bring compassion. But compassion is when you feel sorry for somebody, when you can say, you know what, I know what you're going through, and I love you with the depths of my heart. You may not be all you want to be. You may be wounded, stripped, left half dead, but I know that that could have been me because I'm traveling down the same road, and the only thing that separates where you are to where I could be is the grace and mercy of God. How many of you know that you could be like this man? In fact, some of us were stripped, wounded, ambushed, and left half dead. But God! Somebody shout, but God. Shout, but God. Look at what this Samaritan did. No title. No religious pedigree. But he had a spirit of compassion. Not only did he see him, not only did he stop but he got off his donkey and he took his oil and took his wine and mended his wounds and he put the wounded man in his own place. Help me, Holy Ghost. Put the wounded man on his donkey and he walked and carried him to an inn. And here's what the text says. And he stayed there with the man all night. He didn't just drop him off and told somebody else, you look after him. But he stayed there all night, woke up the next morning and told the innkeeper, I'll pay you to do something, but I'm coming back to check on him. I'm so glad that when I was lying side of the road, somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, the Lord himself became my good neighbor and had compassion on me, picked me up put me in his arms and took me to a place of safety. How many of you know that God did it for you? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm so glad that Jesus was my good neighbor. What's his name? What's his name? How many of you ever been wounded? How many of you ever been ambushed? How many of you ever been stripped? But the Lord made a way somehow touch you, redeem you, clean you up, made it all right. Stand to your feet. We've got to go and lift those hands and say, Lord, I thank you. Come on and thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. You've got about 30 seconds. 
to give God your best praise. In fact, grab somebody by the hand and say, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, anybody glad to know that God picked you up? Woo. Yes, he did. Touch somebody and say, yes, he did. In fact, take 30 seconds and give God your best praise. You could have still been there. But God, but God, leave your seat and touch two people and say, but God, but God, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. That used to be me. That used to be you. Anybody know that that used to be you? Leave your seat and come and look me in the face and say, Pastor, I'm so blessed. Come on, Zion. Come on. Thank God. Thank God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have. Say yeah, say yeah, let the church say yeah, say yeah, say Lord I thank you, Lord I thank you, I could have died out there, I could have been destroyed out there, I could have lost my life, Woo! I'm so glad that Jesus the Christ was my good neighbor. Ooh. And when others pass me by, when the religious leaders wrote you off after that pregnancy, after that drug addiction, ooh, after that struggle with your own identity, People told you when you get yourself together, you can come back. But when you're ambushed, stripped, wounded, and half dead, it's hard to get yourself together. Tell somebody you need some help. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody right now, and you've had some help. Listen real quickly. Three takeaways that will be shared with you on Tuesday night. Number one, any of us at any time can become the next victim. There's nothing special about you because you weren't ambushed, stripped, wounded, and left half dead. Look at somebody and say, any of us, any one of us at any time 
can become a victim somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, somewhere between the religious and the secular. Second observation, second takeaway is this. We should never become so busy with the traditions of our faith that we forget about the true purpose of our faith. Then thirdly, a good neighbor is one who's willing to show compassion and mercy to anyone in need, regardless of who they are, what they may have gone through. I'm so glad that when you were that victim, lying on that road, God sent his only begotten son. Ooh. God says, I'm going to bless you in spite of what you're going through. Listen to the words that Bishop Paul Morton's right. Be blessed, my brother. Look at somebody and say, be blessed, my sister. Be blessed wherever this life leads you. Ooh. Let me encourage you. Put your arms around somebody's shoulder and say, let me speak life to you. Look at him and say, you can depend on God to see you through. You can depend on me to pray for you. You might be hurting. You might be crying. You might be worrying and frustrated too. Let me encourage you. Let me speak life to you. <laughs> Come on, look at somebody and say, you can depend on God to see you through. You can depend on me to pray for you. Come on, wherever you are right now. Come on, come on. If you're praying for someone who's not here, come, come stand. Be blessed. Yeah, be blessed. Be blessed. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Wherever. Sing choir, yeah. Speak. Ooh, uh, you can. Uh, uh. I look at somebody and say, you can. You can depend on me. Somebody, you might be crying. You might be worrying. We all get frustrated at times, don't we? Woo. Let me Woo. sing quiet. Me. Oh, I like that. You can. Can. You can depend on me. 
pray. Come on and pray. Pray. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on. I don't care how it looks, I'm going to pray. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep on. Grab somebody by the hand and say, this is for you. You'll pray for me and I'll pray for you. See you. Yeah. I, I see your future. Oh, you look better. <laughs> I see you walking in favor. Prosperity. Let me speak life. You, you can. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You can. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Go ahead, quiet. Come on. Ooh. I pray for you. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You pray for me. Watch out, God's Watch about to God change. Change things. Ooh, I dare you to put your arms yeah. around somebody and say, I pray. I pray for you. Come on, tell me you pray. And you pray for me. Watch God. And yeah. Watch God. Ah. Change things. One more time, Tommy. Come on. Tell him again. I pray. Come on. I pray for you. Woo. You pray and you pray for me. Everybody get you a prayer partner. God change things. God's about to change some things right now. Yeah, yeah. I pray for you. Sing Janelle, sing you your song. Yeah. Pray for me. Watch God. Sing your song, girl. Come on. Oh, I'll pray. Yeah. I'll Oh, yeah. Oh, sing it. Yeah. Watch oh, God. Watch God. Uh, something is about to happen right now. Something is about to happen right now. Something is about to happen. Watch God. Watch God. Watch 
to happen. God told me something is about to happen. Something is about to change right now. Something is about to happen around somebody's shoulder I'm so glad that the Lord didn't leave me on that roadside ambushed stripped wounded and half dead I'm so glad God didn't leave you on that roadside when others act as if you were not even there when somebody looked on you but did nothing for you, I'm so glad that God sent an angel, that God sent an angel, that God sent a savior by the name of Jesus Christ. Woo! Watch God change things. Come on and tell him again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I pray. Listen, if you don't have a right relationship with the Lord, coming to church is not enough. You need to commit to something greater than yourself. Some of you have been contemplating this decision for a while. What better weekend to do it than Independence Weekend? Ooh, you need to declare and decree to the devil I'm about to be set free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed look at somebody and say watch God change things and if you're here today and you want to commit your life to something greater than yourself something greater than your career something greater than your family you meet me at this altar the altar is open you don't have to be perfect the truth of the matter is none of us are perfect, but I'm so glad that God came down from glory through 42 generations just to save you and I. He's calling for you right now. After this prayer, forget about what others may think. Forget about what the enemy has said to you. And you take a stand for your future. Take a stand for where God has taken you. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you because you are, you have always been our good neighbor. <laughs> One who saw our wounds. You saw our vulnerabilities. You saw us being exposed to the world. Ooh, and you came down and you ministered unto us and we say thank you you changed things in our lives and I thank you for what you're going to do God I, I, I prophesy over this audience over the internet audience over the radio audience that God is about to change some things 
in your life. Woo. Where you were is not where you're going to be. What you've come through is not where you're going to. God is about to do something supernatural in your life right now. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, watch God change things. Something good is about to happen. Come on, if you want to make that commitment, come on, stand. Meet me at this altar right now. Don't go back the way you came. Tell the devil he's a liar. Come on, God is calling you. I pray for you. You pray. Come on, wherever you are right now, watch God. Watch God change. Somebody, God's calling you. You've got to walk in the newness of life. Come on, walk down those aisles and say, here I am, Lord. Lift those hands all over this place. You pray for me. God is about to change something. Somebody that needs God to change something in your life right now. God says, if you come, I'll do it right now. I'll pray. God's calling you. You're praying. Lift those hands in the air. Watch God. Is God calling you to something greater? Is God calling you to walk out of bondage into something greater? I'll pray. Go lay your hands on somebody. You pray. Tell them God's calling you. Watch God. Wherever you are right now, if God's calling you, come on, yeah. Lift those hands all over this place. I'll pray. Watch God. Listen, as we stand to our feet, give God a hand of praise. Come on. Worship God. Give him a hand of praise. I'm so glad he didn't pass us by. I'm so glad that he sent his only begotten son to minister unto us. And as we lift those hands all over this place, ooh, God says, I'm going to do something that only God can do. He says, I'll take, and when I come back, if there's any charge, charge it to me. Aren't you glad to know that God paid all, all your spiritual debt? <laughs> Wages of sin was death. You should be dead, but God. Somebody shout, but God. Ooh, but God. Watch God. As you lift those hands all over this place, on Tuesday night, these three points, I'm going to go through them again so that you can see what God's going to do. If he was our good neighbor, as we leave this place today, let us remember that he expects us to be a good neighbor to someone in need. Amen? As you lift those hands, Lord, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for this sacred service. Thank you for reminding us that you left the glory, came down through 42 generations just to change some things in our lives. And we say thank you. Bless those as they leave this place. They will continue to walk in your divine presence. But this is our prayer. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Those of you that stand for communion, Amen. Amen. Those of you that stay to communion.